Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Do we have Lance Taylor? Is that what's going on here? Okay, LT. LT, what's up? Were you, we thought yep. you were in Europe for a minute. I have no idea what is up with my cell phone. It's like only bad luck with you. Um, yeah. No idea at all. Uh, so what do you think when you heard – I bet you heard some of my open there about LeBron. You lived in L.A. for a while. LeBron going out to dinner – with DiCaprio and Pacino, to me, it's evidence that he is basically starting to turn his focus from basketball to now he's going to be a mogul, he's going to be a producer, he's going to be an actor, whatever he's going to do, he wants to move from basketball into the larger entertainment universe. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that. And, and, you know, one thing, I think actors want to be athletes, athletes want to be actors. I think that's just universal. That's just kind of always been the case. Uh, that's some major star power. And, look, anything LeBron touches right now kind of turns to gold. I mean, it's almost like Magic Johnson. And, um, you know, it is ironic that those two, um, you know, we heard about the meeting when Magic actually wooed LeBron to come to Los Angeles. But, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between those two. Outside of Magic never really wanted be, wanting to be in front of the camera. Um, you know, as, lo- as long as LeBron stays on the other side of the camera, I mean, I'll give him credit. I'm, I'm sure you've seen Trainwreck with Amy Schumer. He was fantastic. He was, and you know that was my biggest concern going into that film. I was like, I don't know how Bill Hader and Amy Schumer are actually going to put him in where this is like realistic. But the way they wrote his part in, and he look, and he was playing himself. I mean, Clay, if you can't play yourself, uh, then you've got no shot at acting at all. But what I hate is when you know guys like Shaquille O'Neal really want to uh, take it to another level. Now, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock has done a fantastic job with it, but The Rock was never a high-profile athlete. I mean, he was in the ring, but as far as you know, he wasn't 
a guy. Yeah, and, and I also think that the WWE, like, they are actors already. So no it's not a surprise that if you are good at performing in the WWE, I mean, when you're grabbing the mic and, I mean, you know how to play to a camera, you know how to put on a show already. And we've seen, like, uh, John Cena, uh, I, th- I think also was in, uh, was it Trainwreck? Was he in Trainwreck too? I can't even remember. But Just, Yeah, he was. Disturbing scene with Amy Schumer. But yeah, yeah, right. But, I mean, there are a lot of guys, I think, who have been actors, and I think actresses too, uh, who have been involved in wrestling that isn't a surprise. But, yeah, I thought LeBron was pretty good. But you're a movie guy, too. Would you agree with me that if you had been buying stock back in whatever year uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was on Growing Pains, I mean, you could have gotten Leonardo DiCaprio at what, like 5,000 to 1 that he was going to be the greatest actor of his generation? If I had told you, like we've been hanging out back in the day and we've been watching the Growing Pains and the Seaver household hijinks, and I've been like, you know what? I see something in this. I don't even remember what his name was on Growing Pains. If I was like, I see something in this uh, in this growing pains guy, I think he's going to be the greatest actor of his generation. What would I have had to give you odds wise for you to be willing to take it? A trillion to one, <laughs> right? I mean, the odds of that happening. Well, I mean, Leonardo, and we all knew the kid. He was the guy that you're, you know, a junior in high school, and his stones still has haven't dropped. I mean, he's the guy that was getting carded when he was 25. He just, um, you know, it took took a while for Leonardo to actually turn the corner and just, I, I don't know, to, to take the kid seriously. And I'll never forget this. Like I, you mentioned me living in Southern California for just a minute, but I had one of those rat jobs. I was working at Universal Studios, a place called Amazing Pictures, and it was with Jurassic Park. Um, the, the ride had just come to Universal Studios. And when you would come down that grand finale, we would like take your picture and I sold the picture. And it was a, it was a pretty big to-do as far as like the Universal Park. Uh, but I, I'll never forget he came in, and he was filming Titanic. And, you know, Titanic, there was a huge buzz with that that budget and James Cameron and the money that was being spent on the production. And I had only heard of him from What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I mean, I, I still didn't believe that Leonardo DiCaprio was a guy that could carry a film. I mean, if you go back and you, you watch Titanic, I mean, you look at how young he looked back then. So it didn't seem believable that he was going to be a guy that would that would crush it at the box office. And, and not only, you know, uh, bring people, you know, to movie theaters, but also be a really credible actor and be able to, to do so many different parts. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, for him to be able to do that to The Revenant, I mean, that guy can, he can absolutely play anything. I mean, the, the Departed is one of my favorite films. I mean, he's just believable in every single role. Would you agree that he's the greatest actor of his generation? I mean, DiCaprio, I'm going I'm to check and see exactly how old DiCaprio is right now. I would say Di- DiCaprio's touching 40. I would say he's scratching 40. He is 43. Okay. So uh, so when I look at this um, and, and I see, you know, like the DiCaprio and the trajectory, do you agree with me that DiCaprio and LeBron probably see mirror images in some way of each other? I mean, granted, one guy's a sports guy, and like you said, a lot of sports guys want to be actors and actors want to be sports guys. But in the same way that DiCaprio has come from – you know, he's a young child star. Even if you just say after he did What's Eating Gilbert Grape or whatever it was, like he is, uh, he has gone from being on Growing Pains and What's Eating Gilbert Grape to fulfilling a lot of promise, right? And uh, and LeBron has done the same thing, which is I think the most amazing thing about LeBron's career is it's so often that we see a 16 year old and we say, "Hey, this guy is going to be the next greatest thing," right? And then it doesn't happen, either because, hey, being pretty good is not bad in Hollywood, right? There's drugs, there's women, there's sex, there's like all this stuff that's pretty good that keeps you from pursuing greatness. 
much like in, in basketball, I think certainly the same thing is true. And instead, both of these guys have pursued the absolute apex and heights of their profession and achieved something that I think it's fair to say everybody else in acting has to look to DiCaprio and be impressed. And certainly everybody else in sports has to look to, to LeBron and be impressed. And sometimes I think it's easier for guys to come out of nowhere than it is to have that success at an early age and then fulfill it and climb beyond it. Well, you know, LeBron, a guy coming out of high school, just to meet the expectation was going to be incredible. He's one of the few not only meets expectations but exceeds expectations. Yeah. And I think in I think in acting play, I think it's it's really subjective because I'll give you this. Leonardo, you can make the argument he is the greatest actor of our generation. But you look at other actors out there that haven't necessarily gotten the opportunities. I mean, Paul Giamatti's a fantastic actor. He's just tough to look at at times. Yeah. You know, and Leonardo's got the looks. He's got the entire package. And, you know, like a kid like Shia LaBeouf. I mean, that guy, everybody talked about, you know, his potential. And this guy is just going to be an incredible actor. Well, I think the women and the alcohol and a lot of, a lot of different factors got to him. But I think it is much more subjective when it comes to acting. We know LeBron's the best in the game. I mean, that's not subjective. But when it comes to acting, depending on the part and, you know, depending on the screenplay, I mean, there's just a lot of different things that go into it. All right. Uh, I don't know if you saw this story, but to me this is parent hell. Build-A-Bear yesterday said that if you show up at the mall – they, and there's probably people listening to us right now all over the country who had to do this. And by this. the way, that's the biggest racket in the world. I cannot believe Build-A-Bear is still in business. I've been in there and watched them make the bear. Uh, and I've, But yesterday, for those of you who don't know, this was a major controversy and, and, and mess all over the country. They were allowing kids to get a bear based on their age. So if you were two years old, the Build-A-Bear would be $2 as opposed to normally being like $30. Uh mm. All right, so where on the circles of hell does being in line for a Build-A-Bear with your one, two, three young kids for – some people were in line, uh, LT, for eight hours or more. This is like the Trail of Tears Build-A-Bear edition. Where does this rank on all-time worst parenting decisions to save $20 to spend eight hours in line to get a bear? Yeah, well, I think it's it's a terrible decision. Um, you know, unfortunately, there are people that that you know have never been able to maybe afford the thirty dollars yeah, build a bear. Here, all right, let me take a pause here. If you can't afford the thirty dollars build a bear, there are there's an unemployment rate rate right now in the country of like three point eight percent, and a lot of places out there you're making nine or ten dollars an hour just to be. You know, like uh, whatever it is. Like, I mean, you literally you can make nine or ten dollars doing almost anything now. If you're going to have to stand in line for hours, you literally could have gone to work and afforded to make the money to buy the build a bear, right? Like, if you told me right now, hey, you have to stand in line for eight hours, or you can just normally go to work and pay full price. Like, you could afford to do it, right? Like, that's the thing I don't get about this. Now, maybe if you well, have I 10 was, kids. I was going to bring up the, the, the in-line thing. And, Clay, this is why I suck as a parent, I guess, because I'm one of those that will, will buy my kid off. Like, if they wanted to go to Build-A-Bear, we show up, the line is there, then I'm going to say, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you this place, and I'm going to yes. give you this, and I'm going to make it that much more. Like, when we go out to dinner, we've decided on a place, which is always a pain in the ass, because I've got a daughter, I've got a son, and neither want to go to the same place. I don't want to go where they want to go. And once we decide upon that place, and if we go on a Friday or Saturday night and there's a line, I'm one of those guys, I will not wait for a table. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And so we immediately turn around, and then their hearts are broken. So I've got to find a way to pay them off to make it right. 
Yeah, I know this happened because my kids yesterday went to Chuck E. Cheese, and Chuck E. Cheese was slammed. And my well, you're mom, a great parent, then. Well, I wasn't there. I was working. Uh, but uh, but my mom took them, and my mom said that uh, that that the reason why it was slammed is exactly what you're talking about because so many people had gone to the mall. And they have been like, we're not going to stand in line for eight hours to get a bear, right? Like, we'll go back and we'll pay $20 for it uh, tomorrow or the next day. And so instead, hey, kids, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. We'll get pizza and you can play games. I'm telling you, if they had a Build-A-Bear in a Chuck E. Cheese, you couldn't get me in there with free liquor and free lap dances. What What do you think, by the way, the Build-A-Bear team thought when all of a sudden mass chaos is breaking out everywhere over their Build-A-Bear costs? Because – the, I mean, there were there were lines that were like the length of malls for people who were standing in line to get a Build-A-Bear. Like, at what point do you think they fire anybody over the Build-A-Bear age promotion? Oh, probably. You've got an overwhelmed 16-year-old or a, you know, a 20-year-old that's home from college that didn't sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they, th- yeah, they just that's wanted a to great come home point and they too. wanted to make their, their parents happy and, and, and work for 12 bucks an hour. That's a great point, too. I didn't even think about the people who were working in the Build-A-Bear store and just got destroyed. You know, I used to do retail, and the worst time to be in retail is around Christmas, Holiday. right? Oh, yeah. it's just brutal because you get blamed for everything. You're standing there at the counter. People are yelling at you, and I'm like, I'm 16 years old. You know, I didn't decide the corporate policy on whether or not you can return your fleece. You know, like, oh, I'm just, I, you know, I, I can barely key code my, myself and ring up, uh, ring up prices here. Uh, and people are just letting you have it. Like how how dare you? Like you know, and you're just. I, I, I always think that's a, a sign of uh, of you know how intelligent you are. And if you just ream somebody who's making like five, like I was making four five dollars an hour, right? I'm home. I'm in high school. I'm in college. If you just ream somebody out who's making five dollars an hour, you are an awful human being, right? Like it's different if. Uh, if you find somebody who is actually responsible for something and you're upset. But when you just tee off on the person at the lowest end of the totem pole, it's the absolute worst thing you can do. That's a great point. I didn't even think about the employees at the Build-A-Bear. You're right. Somebody's making 8 9 $10 an hour, and next thing you know, they're just getting reamed all day. Was everything on point? Because I used to um, work in the service industry, so I used to be a server. And, you know, kitchen would get backed up, and, you know, they get a little sloppy. So the consistency of the food would take a hit. I wonder if the consistency of the Build-A-Bear took a hit because of the demand yesterday. You know, is it kind of out of whack? Is the bear a little off? Did they not sew it right? Did they not put enough stuffing in it? Yeah, that's a great question. And, I mean, especially, I wonder also in the timing, you know, they shut down Toys R Us, which I imagine you, being my age roughly, our generation, Toys R Us is like the greatest place in America, right? I mean, when you were a kid, you walk into Toys R Us, there isn't anything much better. So there isn't even anywhere you could take the kid instead of Build-A-Bear. You couldn't be like, okay, let's go to Toys R Us, we'll get a toy there. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess you shop online, but you don't have the tangible toy there to, to know what it's really like. Yeah, there's no doubt at all about that. Uh, all right, uh, World Cup Sunday. Uh, will you build your Sunday around to make sure you watch Croatia and France? You know, I was in a money pool, and unfortunately none of my teams made uh, – well, they didn't make the semifinals, um, much less the, the final here. Um, I think it's it's kind of – look, Croatia um, is playing on borrowed time, it looks, looks like, and uh, I just – France looks to be the much better team, but – I'll probably get up and watch, but I think this is going to be an easy 3-1, maybe 3-0 France victory. So I don't know how much drama is going to be there. I mean, Croatia has gone to um, gone to extended play the last three matches, but I just don't see much out of this. But I'll get up and watch. 
We'll probably have you on next week for sure. I'm going to make you get up early and come over and do the show. Uh, we're doing the show Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from the uh, Atlanta from the SEC Media Days, and you'll also be down uh, doing your show. Uh, as SEC Media Days gets closer, to me it's always like the kickoff of football season is not that far away. What to you is the most intriguing storyline in SEC football and certainly we'll be talking about this next week, but uh, I think everybody out there is on pins and needles ready for football to be here. Well, I think there's, you know, I'll just quickly touch on some things. I think Alabama, obviously, two are Jalen Hurts, who's that starting quarterback. One to be for your defending national champions. I think that's fascinating. Jimbo Fisher, a new face in the SEC. How, how much will he live up to the expectations of a $75 million contract? Is Georgia the real deal? Do they have the staying power under Kirby Smart going into year three after blowing a second-half lead in the national championship game? And LSU and Ed Orgeron, you know, what is the future of that program? I mean, they are a non-player. They are irrelevant right now. And LSU was a power for years from Nick Saban to Les Miles. And right now, LSU, there's a potential they go 6-6 and under Ed Orgeron this year. Final question for you. It's Friday the 13th. What's the best horror movie ever made in your mind? The Shining, not even close. Stanley Kubrick did an outstanding job. Uh, him and Stephen King weren't on the same page, but you go back, you watch it, it's freaky. They're making a prequel right now. I can't wait, but not even close. Outstanding stuff as always, LT. I'll see you next week in Atlanta. Have a good weekend. See you soon. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Jason Whitlock. It is Friday the 13th. Were you a horror kid growing up? Did you watch scary movies, Jason? Not regularly. You know, I, I saw The Exorcist. I think I saw Halloween, and that's about it. Uh, horror movies have not been my thing. I'm pretty. I'm a scaredy cat. So my argument is: Have you seen Jaws? Oh yeah, I don't consider that a horror movie, but yeah, yeah I count it as a horror movie because my argument is it has changed the way that people live their lives more than any movie from a scary perspective of all time. In other words, when's the last time you went into the ocean? <laughs> it's been several years. I think I was like sixteen. So uh, <laughs> when you like went into the ocean at sixteen, did you think about the possibility of a shark eating? No you? question about it. One hundred percent. Every I time, I think about right? sharks all the time. Yes. And you're in L.A. now, and you have have you. When was the last time that you were at the beach? Wow, I don't even. I don't. I'm not a beach person, so yeah, I, I don't even know if I've been to the beach. Yeah, I've been. I've walked along the beach a few times, but you know, just spending the day at the beach doesn't happen. So uh, when. Out in L.A., they have, you know, people will fish off the piers and everything else. They have a regular great white shark that is around the Manhattan Beach Pier out there in L.A. Um, and, like, people are just like, yeah, that's the great white that's here. It bit somebody recently. They said the thing was an accident. Like, if I know that there's a great white shark in the water anywhere near the area where you want me to get in the water, I'm not getting in the water. I'm just not going to do it. Like So my position on that is pretty straightforward. But it's funny, on the Friday 13th, we've been having funny talking about, uh, having fun talking about scary movies. Uh, and so my argument, Jaws, a lot of people agreeing, some disagreeing that it's the scariest movie in terms of impact of all time. All right, you, uh, you are uh, on Speak for Yourself. You're uh, on Twitter. You can find Jason Whitlock at WhitlockJason. Um, for the stories that are out there right now, we started off talking about LeBron James going out to dinner with Leonardo DiCaprio and with Al Pacino. And my argument is that LeBron has basically decided, 
even though he still, I think, is going to play hard and wants to win a championship, that really the move to L.A. is about him becoming a mogul and him becoming potentially an actor, but certainly a producer, director, whatever he wants to do. When I see him out to dinner with DiCaprio and with Pacino, that further solidifies it. When you hear that LeBron went out to dinner, again, this is not a private dinner at their house. This is, to me, LeBron wanting people to know that he's hanging out with DiCaprio and Pacino. Does that bother you at all if you are a Lakers fan when you see that so soon after LeBron gets to L.A.? Bother me as a Laker fan, no. Uh, That's what I kind of expected LeBron to do. I mean, you're coming out here to L.A. What else is there to do? Uh, LeBron's meeting my expectations. I'm kind of with you. I think your point is LeBron didn't come out to L.A. as a basketball decision. Yes. He he came out to L.A. To me, I'll put a different spin. I don't think it's about being a mogul. I think it's about politics. I, and, and I can't say for sure LeBron sees himself as a politician, but I definitely see LeBron sees himself as an icon in the political world and as a role model or some type of symbol or some type of spokesman in the political world. I felt like the move to L.A. was about changing or amplifying the narrative of LeBron as the modern-day Muhammad Ali. And I I think he's in bed with the liberal movement. And I I, I say that with no malicious intent. That's what he believes in. I think he's in bed with them. And I think coming out to L.A. is a part of crafting the narrative that, you know, Le- LeBron James is the modern-day Muhammad Ali. He's completely in bed and swallowed the liberal movement whole. I think that's what this is all about, and that's why you'll see him out with all types of Hollywood uh, celebrities and left-wing icons. I think you're right. I think a couple of years ago, and I've made this argument, I make it in my book, I think LeBron made the decision, and his and his staff or people who are surround him, They said, we want to shift the story from you versus Michael Jordan because it's unlikely you're going to win six titles. You may be the best ever, but there's a certain segment of the population never going to believe it. And also, it's going to be hard for you to be Jordan after you finish because Jordan did things from a marketing perspective that had never been done before. You need to look further into the past and consider yourself to be the modern-day Muhammad Ali. And I think what being Ali gives James is relevance when his basketball career is over. And I think Jordan has certainly remained relevant due to the Jordan brand, ownership of the Charlotte Hornets, everything else about being a global icon. Jordan, 20 years after he made the shot over Brian Russell, is still as big of a star almost on the national stage as he was when he still played. I don't think LeBron will be, but I think that's what LeBron is trying to do. Um when you when you look at LeBron, if you were betting right now, how many more years do you think he plays? Four or five more years. I think he's made it pretty clear he wants to play in the NBA with his son. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's like LeVar Ball uh, made LiAngelo Ball somewhat of an NBA prospect. You know, no NBA team is hooked up with him, but there was discussion that LiAngelo Ball 
uh, could be drafted by the NBA or sign a free agent deal. So if LeVar Ball has that type of leverage, just to, his son, who's not any good, a three-star recruit to UCLA, who got arrested over in China, is a bit of a laughing stock. There was conversation about him being in the NBA. If he has the leverage to do that, LeBron James' son, yeah, he's going to get drafted. Someone's going to pick him up. And again, maybe he'll be good enough. You know, maybe he'll be talented enough and he'll be a superstar. But I think LeBron wants to play at least one year with his son in the NBA. What do you think about LaShawn McCoy? How do you handle that if you are the Bills? How do you handle it if you're the NFL? And even, I think, we've had an interesting discussion about this. How do you handle it yourself? As somebody who is out there talking about sports in general, I I said I came on the show and I said, look, I didn't share the picture of the girl uh, alleging that she was beaten up because I think it's so inflammatory that it's hard to figure out what the facts are when you see something like that, right? Um, How do we talk about it? How should we talk about it? And how would you handle this if you were the Bills or you were the NFL? If I were the Bills in the NFL, I would stay out of it and and not try to beat the police investigation. Yeah. I would let the police handle this. This is their area of expertise. And so if I was the NFL, I would be very patient and let the legal system work its way through. Let's see if there's any charges. Let's see if there's any proof to the woman's allegations that Shady McCoy uh, set him up. And so then as a media person, that's kind of where I keep the discussion about how the NFL is handling this. Are they doing the right things? Because I don't want to jump in and start uh, making assumptions about Shady McCoy's guilt or innocence because, again, we've seen the Reuben Foster situation play out. We saw the Ezekiel Elliott situation play out. Again, it looks bleak to me for Shady McCoy. But anything is a possibility. And so I I just kind of bite my tongue as a media person and talk about the NFL's role in this because I think there's fascinating things at work here, Clay, that the media is not talking about in terms of – remember when Roger Goodell – took over discipline and made discipline a big part of the commissioner's job, it was about cleaning up the image of NFL players. And if you just look at the news stories that have been generated this offseason, I'm not sure if NFL players' images have been cleaned up as in terms of staying out of trouble with the law. I think we have just as many cases now uh, making its way into the headlines as we did before. I'm not sure if Roger Goodell and the NFL have gotten what they wanted out of the the disciplinary policy and conduct detrimental to the league, uh, player discipline issue. I don't know if they've gotten the win out of this that they were looking for. I think in terms of Roger Goodell, it's hurt his image, and he's been the face of this whole discipline thing, and I don't think it's worked out well. I would love to see Roger Goodell in the NFL adopt a new position on discipline. I'd like to see the commissioner walk away from that, uh, hire some people 
to mete out discipline uh, to the players. Take that away from the commissioner. It's just too much. It's too messy. And then I would like to see them. They've hired this Lisa Frill, I think, to do these investigations. And, and I just think it's a mistake. I don't think the NFL should be investigating its players' uh, criminal activity. I think they need to leave that to the criminal justice system. And th- but but I do think they should meet out just or, or punishment for players that run afoul of the league. I mean, run afoul of the law, embarrass the league, damage the brand of the NFL. But in terms of investigating, I think they should walk away. And I think in terms of uh, Roger Goodell being the face of this, but I think he should walk away. I think it's a mistake for him and the league. I agree with all that. I would actually take it a step further. I would not even met out punishment anymore. Because I, I, I have come back again and again on this to the Kobe Bryant case. Kobe Bryant was charged with rape and never missed a game in the NBA. And nowadays people would say, oh my God, like I can't believe that happened. But I think the NBA got it right then. And, and what I mean by that is this. It's, and I come back again, like we mentioned Duke Lacrosse earlier. Maybe Reuben Foster is a great example. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a good example. Having done criminal justice work, it is really hard to find out who's telling the truth when you are dealing with a complicated criminal case. And we played the 911 case for LaShawn McCoy. We talked about some of the facts that are in dispute, some of the details surrounding these cases. You talk to anybody who's a police investigator, you talk to anybody who's been a DA, you talk to any criminal defense attorney, it is a mess when you try to figure out who committed a crime, who's guilty, who's not. There's a lot of people out there listening to us right now who watch Law & Order or they've watched movies and they think that and they get that moment where there's somebody on the witness stand and they 100% know what happened. I'm here to tell you that is very rare. It's all a degree of probability. And I think the NFL is starting to learn that. But to me, what has happened, and we're talking with Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason on Twitter, is that now when an NFL player gets accused of a crime or gets in trouble, the first thought is not, oh, I wonder what the criminal justice system it's gonna, is going to do. It's what is Roger Goodell going to do. And for me, this crystallized when Adrian Peterson got accused of child abuse and people weren't like, man, that's a big deal for the state of Texas and the Houston prosecutors. Immediately, everybody said, what's Roger Goodell going to do about this? I think in trying to cleanse and protect the NFL shield, he's actually made the NFL intimately involved in every criminal wrongdoing in a way that the league wasn't. And you can go back and look at what happened with the NBA. I don't remember anybody saying, I can't believe the NBA and David Stern isn't doing anything here. Goodell has set the precedent now that the league has to get involved. I think it's a bad one. I think you made an excellent point, the one I hadn't considered. And I followed the Kobe Bryant case pretty close, wrote some interesting things at the time. It never dawned on me until this moment that he never missed an NBA game. Some and days he, he went to court and flew in. He went to court in the morning in Colorado and would fly in at night to play basketball games in L.A. And eventually, he basically copped in a civil suit and a settlement yes. to wrongdoing. And at no, in the NFL, my, he probably would have missed half the season if he had signed that type of agreement and settled. He, he they would have there would have been called for him to miss half the season and or if not a full season. He you remember Ben Roethlisberger got a oh, you yeah. know, a six game suspension. I mean Ezekiel got Elliott got six games and we don't even know if he did anything. 
I mean, like, I looked at all that evidence. I read it. The DA did, too, and said, hey, I can't bring charges here. And it was the first-time thing, and he got six games. I mean, Kobe might have missed, I think, a minimum of six games. He might have missed, like you said, half a season. I mean, it would have been an abject disaster for the league. And I think David Stern had it right. I mean, I just think my position on this is straightforward. Like, I think people are not perfect. If a team wants to employ Michael Vick when he comes out of prison because they think he's good enough to play quarterback, I think he should be able to play quarterback, right? He did his time. I think that's true across the landscape. I believe in second chances. I believe in redemption. Maybe this is the Southern Baptist kid coming out at me, but I believe people deserve second chances if companies want to do it. And I don't believe the NFL should be in the... And and here's what's scary to me about this, Jason. They have followed... Every league has followed the NFL's lead now. And so the NBA is going to do it. Major League Baseball is going to do it. And the NHL is doing it. College sports are doing it to a certain extent. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to have a Duke lacrosse case of pro sports. Maybe it'll happen in the NFL. Who knows where it's going to be. Where we end up finding out, like Ezekiel Elliott, we can still argue, was he innocent, was he not? We don't really know. But we know those Duke lacrosse guys were 100% innocent, right? If that happened, the exact same story, and instead of Duke lacrosse, it was the Buffalo Bills or it was the San Francisco 49ers or it was the Houston Texans, the media would be out for blood and they might not have even done anything at all and their whole season would be done. I mean, you really blow my mind and give me something to think about. And I, I, I think that the NFL, more than any other sport, has bowed to the Twitter yes. lynch mob and makes a lot of decisions with a wet finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing as it relates to this issue with player conduct. And and the media basically talked Roger Goodell and the NFL into this. Into, you got to do something. Lee's got to take this on. You got to get involved, and, and I did not wait at the time when Roger Goodell took this on. I was like, "Man, I think this is a mistake for the commissioner." The, 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 you know, I, at the time I was like, "There have been forty-three presidents, and there have been like eighty-seven attorney generals," and that's because the criminal justice system is messy, and sometimes the attorney general has to get fired, yep, uh, and move on. And that's why there needs to be a separation of these powers. So I've always thought it was a mistake for Roger Goodell to get involved. You're taking it a step further and saying it's a mistake for the NFL to be involved. And at this moment, I can't really push back against you. Uh, and, and, And I've tried to say this about the Greg Hardy situation, and people shout me down, and, oh, my God, how can you say this? But the criminal justice system looked at the Greg Hardy situation, and their first ruling, before the woman reached a settlement with Greg Hardy, when she was all in on convicting Greg Hardy, the criminal justice system gave him probation. Yes. They didn't send him to jail. He didn't, they gave him probation because again, they deal with so many of these cases. They are the experts, and it's very hard to get to the truth. Everybody thinks that it was some clear-cut, awful case against Greg Hardy, and the only reason why he avoided prison is because he paid the woman off. That's not true. A a, a female judge, 
uh, a female assistant district attorney, all reached the conclusion that probation was the right thing for Greg Hardy and some sort of suspended, I think, 60-day suspended sentence. And then in his appeal, he got that wiped out. But, but yeah, these cases are very complicated, uh, and, and I think your point about I don't know if we ever get to the truth about them. All these cases are like a reenactment of making a murderer. You have no idea yes. who's guilty or innocent. Uh, and that's why the NFL should never be in this business to begin with because we have this – and I think the NFL was naive in this. I think they had this artificial idea of we're going to sit across the table from these people, we'll talk to them, and we'll figure out what the truth is. And I think what you find out is the truth is really difficult to uncover to a substantive degree, you know, like we're to a certain degree. And so when the NFL is trying to apply the standard of Roger Goodell is going to look at the evidence and make decisions, I mean, is he King Solomon? I mean, I have never seen Roger Goodell and thought, my God, this guy makes better decisions than anybody I've ever seen in the history of the world. And that's basically what you would have to be able to do to merit to met justice out fairly. I just think the NFL set a bad precedent and everybody else followed. And this, by the way, is where I tend to get in trouble. I will look at the evidence, and look, I think domestic violence is bad. I think racism is bad. I think sexism is bad, everything else. But you have to look at the individual evidence of a case instead of coming to the presumption of domestic violence is bad, therefore Ezekiel Elliott committed domestic violence because this woman said he did. Well, no, 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 no. That's where justice demands that you look at the facts of a case, not the people who are involved in a case. And most people don't do that. Most people are looking for their worldview to be confirmed instead of looking at the individual facts of the case. And that's where it gets scary. And that's also where I think many times we lose an opportunity to actually apply justice fairly. I, I'm going to defend Roger Goodell in the NFL just a little bit in this case. There's so much media pressure on the NFL to to fix all problems, to be the world leader in everything. And, again, it's like what the NFL players and media want the NFL to fix police brutality. And uh, they want the NFL to fix domestic violence. They, they want them to be the leader on all these issues. And the reality is the NFL is a television show. Yep. And the media is putting pressure on the wrong people it's like we've given up on our politicians and the people we actually pay to solve these issues and hey let's let's anoint roger goodell and these sports leagues to be our leaders because we can't trust politicians or we don't believe in politicians and sports are going to fix all our problems and a television show is going to fix our problem i get i wish that goodell and these guys hadn't bowed to it but the pressure on them was so immense, I don't blame them for dipping their toe, but they need to be smart enough and bold enough now to perhaps step away. Outstanding stuff as always. Follow him on Twitter at Whitlock Jason. Watch him on Speak for Yourself at SFY. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at- 